So hello everybody and welcome back to Folk on Falcons. I'm Philip Mundy and joining me is... Ian Joseph. As always, you can find us on our social media. So on Facebook, it's at Folk on Falcons and you'll see our picture of us too. Uh, on Twitter, again, at Folk on Falcons. Or if you'd like to send us an email directly, it's just folkonfalcons at mail.com. Thank you, Ian. Today we'll look back at our defeat against London Irish. Look forward to probably another defeat against Exeter. Um, have a quick chat about internationals, whether that be the Lions or the Six Nations, and have a roundup of the Premiership action over the course of the weekend. First things first, today we almost got back again and we threw it away again at the end. Lost 31-22 to London Irish at their new stadium. Almost at times it looked like we might click, but I don't think we ever really got there today, did we, Ian? No, I think from right from the off, you could tell... It just wasn't going to be right, because when they almost dropped the ball from the kickoff, um, and then another guilt edge opportunity to lead in a game with uh, a reasonably decent chance for a penalty missed, um, and then of course a couple of minutes later they go down the other end and get their first try, which is just a line out, catch and drive, simple pushover. Um, yes, yeah, so, I mean at that stage we're already chasing the game. Uh, it was, for the vast majority of it, it was poor and it was really frustrating. And you could just tell, as you say, it, it just wasn't clicking. And I think as well as London Irish did play in terms of, I thought their defence was really good. Um, and a couple of their tries were well worked. Um, we have ourselves to blame, really. I think it was there for the taking. And we, apart from 50-minute purple patch, we just didn't turn up, really, did we? No, um, I felt defensively on the whole, the Okay, adequate, but there was the odd error or the brilliance by them that cut us apart. But my my main gripe about today was I just felt that from nine to twelve to thirteen, nothing was really happening. Um, in attack, we seemed to be very very flat, taking the ball not really at pace, and there were times when you could throw a tea towel over all the backs they're so close together and just kind of standing around the middle of the pitch. Just seemed like there wasn't much structural direction to things, and I, I don't know whether that was a game plan that I haven't worked out, or whether the couple of changed the squad and people weren't quite gelling with each other. I, I haven't worked it out, but it just looks it looked like we weren't really at the races today. Yeah, I also thought when you mentioned the backs, Podgson he grew into the game, but he started the game pretty poorly. He obviously had that kick that he missed. Um, it was his poor pass that led to the scrum, which got their second try. Um, and I thought, to begin with, he was pretty poor. Um, and that obviously doesn't help if you fly half and that axis just isn't functioning. I thought Schroeder was fine when he was on. I mean, it's his first start in the Premiership. It's fine. Um, but I, I think one of the main problems also, again, almost straight away, was the line-out wasn't functioning like it has been. Um, I think the very worst, it would lost sort of one a game at most or something all season um, and we it just it was like old focus wasn't it where we were, the positions were we were in there 22 really good chances again of course we were chasing the game and you know blow out the line out which just hasn't been happening this season and that's probably one of the reasons why we've been doing so well is because our set piece including line out has been so good but I think they kind of had our number there in the line out we got better um, as the game went on in that department but it just wasn't as smooth as it should be or has been, and I think that also cost us as well. Just thinking about it, um, can you remember a time when we passed the ball along the backs and got it to one of the speeds? Is that right? Because 
I don't think I saw Orlando pass it all match. And I don't think we're may, maybe utilising our... I think we tried to give it to Radwan every single opportunity at the beginning, but it often was him coming in looking for it, or players going down the blind side looking for him. It wasn't pass the ball along the line, give it to him in an overlap. Well, I think apart from, obviously, when we got the try in the corner, uh, apart from that, I think you're probably right. I actually noticed with Stevenson, there was a lot of times where he came off the left wing and he was playing almost sort of just inside Radwan. Um, so he'd obviously either come in looking for the ball or that that had been the tactic and he'd been told to be part of the line there. Um, but I think that was just symptomatic of it just, as you say, the players just seem to go side to side in the backs and never really sort of looked like anywhere. I, know, I think Graham, as usual, a couple of times made of hard ones, hard yards. Van der Velde did the same, but you knew it just wasn't sort of clicking there. And I think maybe that was just an illustration of that. Yeah, Van der Velde's hard yards. Um, there's a couple of times when he almost made a yard too many because suddenly he'd half break through a tackle, but then he would have no support players and he got turned over a couple of times quite early on in the match when there was one penalty for holding on where kind of he had no support near him because he'd made the half break and if he'd have almost got tackled a yard or two up the pitch they might not have got the penalty for holding on um, yeah no, that's true potentially um, though then again is, is that his fault I mean you know he just gets the ball in hand and goes no, straight forward with it, not, doesn't it? yeah um, but yeah I mean <laughs> I think, especially in the first half, their defence and their turnovers were really good. I mean, I mean, Chevy had um, the best game I've seen him certainly at a club level, um, of course, against us. Um, and he was super. I mean, the amount of turnovers he got, and of course, he got his try in the, in the first half. Um, I think that that they perhaps tied in that area in the second half, uh, but in the first half, they caused us real problems. Then I think that was part of the reason why we sort of going side to side is that we didn't really have an answer to that because we often do that ourselves. Um, and they maybe they did their homework and perhaps they saw we were vulnerable to that, and I guess we were in the first half, and they, they did that really well and disrupted us there. I think the um, the overall tactics seem to have changed really in the season, because if you remember the first two or three games, um, defensively we were shooting up, and the winger was coming in and tackling the centre. Um, that wasn't happening today. And then also in attack, what was really good at the start of the year was the little pick and goes, pick and goes, pick and goes. And there was a time when just before we got our try that we did that and we created this we got an penalty advantage and that made us roll the dice when we spun out to Stevenson. But there was almost as if we'd just kind of forgotten what we were good at and we're just playing kind of brainlessly. I think that's part of the fact that whatever they wanted to do just wasn't working. Because a lot of this picking goes with because actually quite a lot of the time this season, we've been in really, really good positions. Um, I think well, every game, even the other different Bristol, of course, we had loads of chances. So I think we do get in good positions and the pick and drive has been really useful for us. But today we just didn't really get in those positions. I didn't think either team had a, a great deal of chances. At the end of the day, they were very clinical with theirs. I think in the second half, apart from the period of down to 14, and of course their pushover from the line out right at the end, they didn't really threaten our 22 at all. Um, but then again, neither did we, and we were the ones who were always often two tries or two scores behind. Um, and yeah, I, I just felt that in that regard, it just didn't really work. Yeah, I think um, the one difference between the two sides so is probably Paddy Jackson. Um, I think had he been in our lineup, we would have probably scored a bonus point. 
not them. I, I just think that that was that was the goodness difference. It was the not just the kicking; it was also or the place kicking. It was the kicking out of hand. His had a lot more purpose. You'd quite often seeing him bouncing into touch, whereas we just kind of hoof it down the middle. And I think ball in hand, he just brings that extra bit of quality. Yeah, I mean, obviously we said this before the game in our previews that Pai Jackson was definitely one to watch out for because he's so consistent, especially off the kicking tee, but, uh, but generally as well. And I think if you were, to, if you had to point to one difference today, as you say, it was probably him because every time he was about to, you know, take a kick, you just knew it was going to go straight down the middle and was going to get it. And with us, you just knew that, you know, let's face it, I think a lot of us were worried when Hodgson took that kick because of the, all our kickers recently and that was a difference I mean you can't I mean I've said it before you can't be a top team you can't even really be a consistent team in the premiership without a decent kicker and it's I think this season we've got away with it um with not having a particularly consistent kicker but it was going to always catch up with us and unfortunately that was today um and it's something we've got to put right but I'm not quite sure how, unless they sort of get out and practice more, because unfortunately we're probably going to have more games like this where we are going to lose, and even though we haven't necessarily been by far the, an inferior team compared to the opposition, it's a fact that we're not consistent enough off the tee, and we're not consistent enough in getting points over when the opportunities present themselves, but we've got to sort out the kicking, otherwise we're going to have a lot of these, well, not so a lot, but we're going to get more zero-point defeats. Yeah, I think it's almost psychological because we've both seen Hodgson in the past scoring kicks from the corners and he 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 can be a very good kicker, we've seen it, and kickers tend not to get worse. They just go through bad patches and I think the longer the bad patch the harder it is to get out of. And his first kick today was one where I think most 15-year-old fly halves would expect to, to slot it and the, us as fans we had that sense of foreboding and I guess on the pitch, he must be having the butterflies or something because it wasn't particularly close. He just missed. But the thing is, it's not just him. It's him, Flood and Conan. And, yeah. uh, and but I think the part of the problem is that, of course, we, we probably envisaged, oh, well, we'll have this problem or that problem going to the season and throughout the season we're going to be strong here or week there. But none of us thought that we would have such a, a crisis in terms of our kicking. So it's come out of nowhere, and it's, it's a really hard one to solve, because as you say, it's psychological. You know, how do you turn that corner? Is it a case where you just have to bring in new personnel? I don't know. I mean, because I'm not quite sure how you solve it, and they need to solve it pretty quickly as well. Looking forward to next week, suppose we could try and solve it against Exeter, which is a tall order. If you line up the squads against each other, I'd say the one area we might have them is the outside backs. I can't see us in the centres with them having Devoto particularly being beaten by us. In the forwards, they've got a very strong pack, and once again, Simmons isn't in the England squad. Yeah, he's not. That's ridiculous, really, isn't it? Yeah, stupid decision. He must have said something at some point. Yeah, you, yeah, he must have. Um, or Exeter have said something to Jones or something, and he's just been like, well, I'll play and what I'm picking you. Sort of thing. Uh, although Noel's not in the squad either. Yeah, so they've, they've lost Slade to... England's a few forwards, but overall I think the one area that we potentially might have a bit of luck is the outside backs, but I think man for man, the rest of the pitch, it's a pretty tall order. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be really tough, um, but I think one thing about us this season is you, you can't really be sure which Falcons team's going to turn up, um, because obviously we've had really good results against really good teams away, um, 
and at home, of course, the, the sale win. But I, I think with Exeter as well, they're not in the best run of form. I know they got past Worcester um, this weekend, but it, I think if we are going to play them at any time over the past few years, um, now is the time to play them. But that doesn't necessarily mean you know it's going to be easy by any stretch. Um, it, it's, it's a tough one, but I think if if we do turn up and we play like we you know we have can play and have played at times this season, and they're not on top form, then you know we could win. I mean, I, I can't I can't see how it's impossible. Um, you, it's looking at these two fixtures, London Irish and Exeter. You, it's not. It wasn't out the realms of possibility that London Irish would beat us and we could beat Exeter. As daft as that could sound, um, simply based on, on form and the fact that we can be so inconsistent. But it's it's going to be a big ask. Um, but it's turned to actually quite a big game because if we lose that, and other teams below start picking up points, we'll go crashing down the league. Um, I mean, it's so tight, it only takes a couple of results to go either way. But it's something we do need to sort of keep an eye on and sort of watch our backs. If you look over the next month, uh, obviously we've got Exeter at home, and then we have two away games of Northampton and Worcester, which I know Northampton have picked up form a bit, but they are eminently winnable. And then Harlequins at home. So if we pick up those points against Exeter, we can start looking at the next four games with, I think, a good bit of optimism. So... We'll just have to see what happens, I guess. I know over the years we've not had such a bad record against Exeter as some clubs. Yeah, like you say, I think they're not firing all cylinders. They've lost a number of international players. Now's probably one of the better times in the season to play them, I think, if that ever can be the case, a good time to play them. If we just look at the internationals, um, there's been a bit of chat this week about well, Australia offered to play the Lions here in Australia. What are your views on that? Um... <laughs> Honestly, uh, as bad an answer it is, I'm really not sure. I can see the positives and negatives equally in both ways. Uh, I think South Africa would be pretty annoyed if that was to happen because um, they obviously do everything they can to choose, you know, to obviously get that that tour going one way or another. If you're the traditionalist, I think it's probably a non-starter. Um, if you just want the Lions to play you know, a tour away somewhere, then on the face of it, then I think it's an option worth considering. But um, as I say, I think you could be subject to some legal challenges or whatnot from, from South Africa. I, I don't know. It, it's, it's a really hard one. I think it's something worth considering. And as I say, on paper, I can't see why it can't be considered. But I think if you're a bit of a traditionalist, it'd be one part of the stomach, perhaps. I think the, the current proposal is that South Africa will be playing the Lions Tour in Australia. So I think that's a million times better than the rumours of Lions playing at home, which I think is just a rubbish idea and ruins it. I don't know why they can't just play against Australia this time round and then play against South Africa when it otherwise would have been Australia in four years' time. I feel like there are, it's unlikely we'll play South Africa in South Africa, especially with fans, just the the way of the world at the minute. It might might make more sense than to shift the tour to Australia. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with a lot of that, especially the... Lions playing at home would just be ridiculous. It would basically just show what many people think it is nowadays, which is a cynical sort of money-making machine, um, and playing it just for the sake of it rather than what it's supposed to be and in the spirit of the Lions. Um, I, I think in many ways it's kind of a head-versus-heart argument. I think in your head, like logically, there's no reason why it couldn't be in Australia. As you say, you could almost play it as a normal tour. I know obviously you'd have less or no fans from, you know, Lions supporters. Um, but apart from that, you could pretty much do what would be a normal tour, I imagine, maybe with some extra precautions, but it's all 
to all intents and purposes could be pretty well, normal. Uh, but obviously your heart wants it to be, you know, as it should be with South Africa. So it's a tough one. But as you say, I think on the face of it, there's a lot of positives to just playing in Australia. Well, playing Australia in Australia. Well, there's, there's two things to consider here. Australia's currently holding the Australian Open where they've got thousands of fans mixing. By the summer, hopefully we'll be a lot further along with the whole vaccine situation. And there's an awful lot of British Lions support already in Australia because there's an awful lot of Brits in Australia and there'd probably be a reasonable split within the stadia if they just sell tickets to Australian residents because there's so many Brits over there. So you don't, it's not like South Africa where there's a lot fewer Brits that live there and it'd be trickier to fill the grounds up. I think there's the option for albeit not the travelling support, but for there to be Lions fans there. Yeah, I mean, I suppose also um, the reason the format is as, it, is as it is, I suppose, nowadays, is the fact it gives New Zealand, Australia and South Africa the equal opportunities every four years, you know, whenever their turn comes to kind of get that revenue boost, doesn't it? Um, and I suppose if Australia wants to sacrifice theirs in, you know, in a few years' time to have it now, then I suppose that's up to them. Um, I think the more... I think Think about it. I think in many ways you convinced me, actually. Um, I think if you were to pick one, I think probably, as you say, why not just play Australia in Australia this time? I mean, it's not the law that it has to be always, you know, New Zealand, South Australia, New Zealand, South Australia. You know, let, why not be flexible? I know it's all about tradition, but traditions can change. And why not? Yeah, let's, let's play in Australia. Let's have some plans. Come on, then. Yeah, and we've got Six Nations next weekend starting. How do you see that one panning out? Who's your money on? Uh, well, probably England. Um, I still think England are the best team uh, in Europe at the moment. I think the fact that England play France at home is also going to be uh, probably a big factor for us. Um, as improved as France are and as as close a call as that game with France was in the Autumn Nations Cup, I think we're still the stronger team. And I think that even the game we did lose away to them, if we been more consistent if we hadn't had such a slow start through lack of playing time I think we probably would have won that game anyway so my money is is on England and France being probably a close second um beyond that I think if I was going to finish the rest of the table uh I suppose Ireland then uh, pick one perhaps Scotland slightly but I'm not sure exactly with them who's home and away Wales and then probably Italy rock bottom yeah I'm not sure whether Wales have sorted their problems that they haven't the autumn out yet. If they have done, I can see them potentially coming maybe even second. But then at the same time, I'll be able to tell you within five minutes of the first match kicking off whether France will be competing or not. You'll be able to see whether they're up for it, whether they want to play. And I hope that they give us a good run for money. I, I really enjoy watching France when they're, when they're on song. Um, obviously, wanting them to win the Grand Slam, as we always do. Um and I just hope that Italy don't embarrass themselves too much because I think the the last few tournaments they've played and they've not covered themselves in glory and they don't seem to be getting better, which is quite concerning for um, a rugby fan. They seem to be getting worse. Clarice is obviously going off the radar now. Um, who else have they got on it? There's there's no one really that's a talisman that they've got. Everyone just seems to be average. Yeah, I mean, with well, first of all, with France, I think... Um, it, well, it's the old thing, isn't it, about how consistent they are, because they could easily turn it on against us, have a wonderful win away to England, and then be terrible and lose at home to, you know, well, I'm not sure what the fixtures are, but your Wales or Scotland, for example. So you just don't know what's going to happen with them. Uh, with Italy, uh, you're right. Um, 
they, you know, we always get this sort of debate of they show a glimpse every now and then when they get a really good result every so often, and they may put in a, a few other decent performances, usually against England, and you sort of think, well, you know, may, maybe this time, they, all right, maybe you can write off this tournament, but next year, honest, they're going to be much better. But they don't, and they don't even have some of the individuals who they used to have who could, you know, in many, I don't know, you know, on occasion could walk into any top team perhaps in Europe. Um, they just don't see, really see the other individuals anymore either. They've retired and they just haven't been re- replaced. Um, yeah, I can't see them finishing it anywhere but rock bottom, unfortunately. I don't think there's much else to cover internationals or there's no real stories that have cropped up in the last week that I can think of, um, that you can think of. No, not really. I mean, uh, obviously, I think the biggest story since we last did our podcast was probably the, the Lions in Australia potential story there. Um, Pop, I don't think really, there really is anything else, is there? Yeah, so if we just go on to a, kind of a, a roundup of the, the weekend's rugby results. On Friday night, Bristol showed, I think, why they quickly becoming contended favourites for the for the title with a 48-3 victory at home to Bath. Um, Bath scored three points relatively early on and didn't get a look in after that. Seven tries, I think, Bristol got. By the end of it, Bath just looked like they wanted to get off the pitch as soon as possible. Um Leicester, their woes continued. They lost 15-25 to Sale, and it looks like Sale are getting their act together at the minute. Um, and on Saturday, Gloucester lost to Northampton, 31-26 at home. And Worcester managed to get a bonus point against Exeter. And as we said, I think that shows that A, this league's all still quite close together in terms of quality, but B, now is the time to, to come up against Exeter. Um, and then finally... Harlequins completely ran away this afternoon against Wasps. I think they scored six or seven tries in that match. Um, Wasps were kind of in it for the, well, 25 minutes, half an hour, and then Harlequins just pulled away. Um, and obviously we lost to London Irish, as we've earlier discussed. Um, league table-wise, had we won today, we would have ended up going um, second. But as it happens, we are in fourth. If we just do... A quick rundown of the table. Um, Bristol are leading the way with 29 points, and they're now they've now got a five-point cushion against Exeter, um, who've got 24. Sale up to third with 23, and we're in fourth with 20. Then you've got Wasps and Harlequins both with 19, Northampton on 18, London Irish on 17, Leicester on 15, Bath on 12. Worcester on 10, and then Gloucester, things are only on, on, getting better for them at the minute, they're only on 7. But looking at that table, we are in 4th position, and within 5 points of us, we have got Exeter in 2nd place, and Leicester in ninth place, which I think just shows quite how important every single match is at the minute. Yeah, and I think that's the worry, really. Um, yeah, I know... You know, we're always going to lose games occasionally. That's just the nature of the, nature of the game, literally. But um, I think the worry for us is we're just not picking up bonus points because even if you do lose games, if you pick up the bonus points, you can still kind of chug along. You can maintain a gap or even maybe close a gap. And we're just not doing that. And we, you've said it just now. We've mentioned it before about how close this league is. And all it takes is a couple of results to kind of go against you or go for you. And you can go catapulted up and down that league. Um, so I'm really worried that our lack of bonus points is going to cost us in the long run. Um, I think, 
even the most optimistic Falcons fan now will probably maybe have second doubt about us finishing the top four. I just don't think we're consistent enough and the bonus points is a big issue. Um, quite frankly, it's anyone's game to finish in the top six, though. Um, so there's no reason why that still can't be a realistic expectation. And beating Exeter, a big ass, but beating Exeter next week obviously puts us in a very good position for that uh, with what I think are a decent run of fixtures coming up for the next four weeks. Um, so, yeah, it's it's so close. We just have to try and just grind away the best we can, I suppose. Yeah, um, the bonus point thing is, I think, going to be key at the end of the season. I don't mind so much when we win without a bonus point because we still get four points, but both the defeats we've had this season, we haven't got them and we've kind of thrown away the opportunity to get one. Today we did really well to get back into the match. And then obviously caught the kick-off, Gary Graham gave away a penalty and then we ended up conceding the points. And um, I think that if we'd have got another two points this season from our losing bonus points, then yes, we'd still be in the same position, but I think that we'd be that little bit further ahead as opposed to would be in the top four as opposed to from fourth to eighth chunk of the table. Yeah, I mean as silly as it sounds, um it's all about points, not necessarily position because, you know, if you're in the top four, you're in the top four. You know, you you don't obviously automatically win the league when you're top. Um if you're in the top six, you're in the top six. It doesn't matter where you are if you're fifth or sixth. So in terms of it's all about getting those points. And every little obviously every point helps. Um and if as you say, it's you know, it's always nice to get a tri bonus point if possible, but you've got to try and keep getting, if you are going to lose, to pick up some points somewhere. You can't go, you can't afford to go two or three games without picking up any points whatsoever. Um, so it, it's less, I think, mean, less about the position at the moment and all about, literally, all about the points. Yes. I I completely agree. It's all about the points. I think um, on that nice, succinct note, um, we should probably call it time. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye, everyone.